You're listening to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast with Karen McMahon. We invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and enable you to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. Therapy helps you realize some cycles that you have as a person. These are, let's revisit this, Clint. What 20 years ago, 25 years ago, in your previous relationships, when you were a kid, you start looking at these cycles and you go, oh, wow, I had no idea. Coaching, and, and I think I said this to you before in a podcast, therapy moves a little slower getting to the healing, navigating currently. It gets there slower. Coaching goes through your past fast and starts now and moves forward quicker, more flexible. But the therapy reveals some cycles, but the coaching to me gave me some skills and some tools and the right questions to ask myself to navigate the moving forward process. Embarking on the journey into the next chapter of your life after divorce is often met with a mixture of excitement and fear. Everything is affected. Transitioning home and career, managing your finances, parenting as a single mom or dad, and managing the emotions around step-parents in your children's lives. The world of online dating, reconnecting with who you want to be in this new chapter of life, and finding your passion, purpose, sensuality, sexuality, and so much more. Tune in as we speak to the experts in every area of post-divorce life and support you to enter and navigate it as an adventure with a growth mindset and a heart of possibility. Welcome back to another episode of Life After Divorce. We've been highlighting the importance of healing before you can create your best next chapter. And today I chat with Clint a divorced dad who sought support through both therapy and coaching. We discuss some of the fears and resistance men have around seeking support, as well as the gifts and growth it provides. Our desire today is to encourage you, our male listeners, to push through your fear and away from society's narrative that strong men should just tough it out and into the powerful experience of emotional healing. Clint Powell is a divorced dad of two and a business owner. Once he realized that divorce was inevitable, he immersed himself in coaching and therapy in order to start the healing process. He realized that healing was a journey that would benefit not only himself, but his kids, the relationship with his ex, and all of his relationships moving forward. Clint is also the host of During the Break podcast, a mixture of sports relationships Uh, self-improvement, politics, and life in general, all with a healthy dose of humor. You can find the link in our show notes. Well, I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome, Clint. Well, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. You know, you and I worked together for a long time, and we actually chatted on one of uh, our other series, The Voices of Celebration. And I think that what will be so valuable for our listeners, both the men and the women, is to hear from a divorced dad who's kind of gone through the whole thing. And if I remember correctly, who has both um, invested in uh, therapeutic support as well as coaching support. Yes, I did. I went through therapy and coaching. And thanks to you, I've learned the difference a little bit. 
I've been corrected. And I just want to say, as you welcome me on, I do podcast and radio and being on this side of the conversation is very awkward. So be gentle with me. You're not allowed to ask me questions as we do this. I get to ask the questions. It's killing. Yeah, it's killing. <laughs> and we're going to talk more about your podcast at the end. Oh, cool. So let's uh, let's start at the beginning. Um, can you share a little bit what your uh, what your thoughts and maybe emotions were as you came to the realization that that your marriage was beginning to dissolve? You mean uh, go back in time to all those fun memories, those happy memories that uh, that I had? No. So I wrote this down because I knew some of the questions you were going to ask. Because uh, you and I have had several of these conversations in the past. And, you know, thoughts feed emotions and emotions feed your thoughts. And I was very sad, very scared, uh, very hurt. And not just hurt by the divorce, but hurt that there was failure, hurt that I had been part of something that, and it went a direction that I did not want it to go. You know, one of the things that we said, she and I said to each other, when we got married, we were married almost 20 years. We knew each other almost 21 years. And there was no point in that. Did we think, you know, I cannot wait to get married so we can get the divorce. And so the emotions were, they were all over the place. And I think that's what contributes to the, the, the thinking you get stuck in certain types of thinking and you'll go from being mad and angry to hurt and crying based off the music you're listening to or a movie. And, and then there's this, well, I'll show the world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in better shape and I'm going to become, I'm going to go get that degree. And then you get tired, like, no, I'm not. I'm just going to sit here and eat ice cream. And, you know, so it's, it, they ranged. It's not just one thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting because in there's this thing in our society where uh, especially men, I think that grieving through divorce is generally uncomfortable for people, but especially um, be a strong man, um, soldier on, uh, this kind of a thing. And, you know, how did, as you were feeling all these feelings and trying to figure out your next step, did that play a role in any um, challenges in moving forward? Yes, it did. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's a cursing or a blessing. I, it did play a huge role because the, the stereotype of a guy that's dealing with emotions, whether it's through divorce or insert the trauma or issue here, is that we are supposed to keep everything in check, which two things can be true at the same time. I don't think you need to tell everybody all your problems. I don't think it needs to be all over social media. So there is part of this that is some self-discipline and that I think you do need to keep emotions in check. On the other side of that though is the thin gray line is if I don't talk to somebody, if I don't learn how to move past this, then I'm going to get stuck. The realization that I have is, and I wrote this down, when I'm going to the gym, I have a goal and I understand that pain is part of the process. I'm in the gym with people who are in better shape than me, right? It's part of it. I don't go to the gym. I don't stop going to the gym because I'm not the best in shape person in there. Same thing in business. I have a plan. I have a goal. I have things, do things right, do things wrong. 
But when it comes to our emotions, it's almost like I'm not allowed to talk about them. I'm almost, I've got to have it in control at all times. And it's a very unhealthy thing when you realize you're swimming in waters that are over your pay grade. When, when, when I get in those turbulent waters, if I don't have the skill set to navigate it, I'm in danger. And yeah. as a guy, I just looked at it more as we say this to our kids, man, it sometimes the strongest thing you can do is say, I need help. Right. Well, and I think that that sentence uh, in a nutshell is the, the heart of this conversation for uh, our male listeners, because I, I know that while we have thousands of people t- who listen all the time, that the men who have reached out have often also shared uh, that it was a big leap for them, that it was yeah. a struggle, that uh, they were concerned about uh, either how they looked at themselves or what others would think. Like there's a real uh, bias, it seems, in our society, especially for men to to get help and that it makes you weaker rather than stronger, which is what you're saying is... If we look at it, it makes you stronger. Yeah, and and if, and again, I'm I'm new to this whole being interviewed thing. So if I start talking too much, you just cut me off. But the the thing I will point out to if you're a guy and you think that and you're listening to this, this is how I justified it to myself. In business, I have what they call I was I have been a business coach for sales and marketing, and I've had business coaches. And I went out and sought voices that had different perspectives than me that could help me navigate some things that I needed. If you're in the gym and you've ever benched press as a guy, if you're trying to bench more than you've ever benched, you ask for what they call a spot. You say, hey, can you spot me? And what does that mean? It just means I might need a little help getting over the hump and I don't want to crush myself with the weight. Can you give me a helping hand? And in my brain, coming to a coach and therapy were both fit into those those uh, molds. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's it. We, we often use the analogy of a lifeguard. If you're out in the choppy waters and you're drowning and there's a lifeguard who can come and help you and you wave them off, no, I got this, I got this. It's not going to work so well for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so uh, a little context for our listeners. You were married a little over 20 years, uh, and you have two children. How old were they when the divorce began? So I have two biological children, and then I raised a stepson that was part of it. So they were, my daughter was 12, uh, 12 and a half, and my son was 16 and a half or 17. I can't remember. He was 17. Yeah. He was a junior and my daughter was in sixth grade. Okay. And how old was your, um, stepson? Stepson. He, see, he would be, he was 25 or 26. So he had quite a range there. Oh yeah. 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 And what would you say, uh, what would you say? So you described like, the fear and the failure, um, as a dad, what did that bring into it for you? Uh, I said, it's, you're asking me this question literally within about 72 hours. I had this conversation with a friend of mine, probably the hardest, one of the top two or three hardest conversations I've ever had. Cause I've had family members that knew they were going to pass away. Those are hard conversations, right? 
I would say ranked right up there is the conversation of telling your kids for us, especially, um, and watching the world as they knew it completely disintegrate because as adults, you know, it, I say it came as a shock to me, but we, I, I, I was part of the, of the marriage. So I saw the cracks in the dam, right? So it came as a shock, but it came as more of a shocking disappointment. Like, no, I thought we were gonna make it. I, I'll, I'll do stuff different. What do you need me to do? You know, but as to the kids, they just saw stuff, but they never in a million years thought that mom and dad would just kind of dissolve as the unit, not as mom and dad, as the unit. So that conversation was, I'll, I'll, if I talk, I, I, could, I can muster up some good tears right now going back to that moment. Um, and then immediately, I just wanted to make sure they were okay. And that, and that goes back to the, what I was saying earlier. That's why learning to keep my emotions in check was important. It was, it was very healthy for them to see I had emotions, but how I navigated that was vital. And, and just to be honest, to revisit what you asked earlier, that was the other reason that I reached out to coaching and to therapy because I didn't want to be the guy they got stuck and his kids saw dad get stuck. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then actually connecting the dots, right? So it's like, you want to get better and healthier and heal for yourself, but you also are stepping into this whole new dynamic of co-parenting with this person you weren't able to stay, be married with and also just single parenting. Yeah. Well, and two, I, I knew that, um, Kids were watching us when we were married. They were going to be watching us probably even harder as we're divorced because when they're around us now, they're going to be in these silos of, you know, it's going to be more focused time with dad and more focused time with mom. And I just wanted to make sure, and I, th I think it, I'm going to give you credit for this because I'm on your podcast. See, that <laughs> how, works? See how that works? Uh, but I think it was you, it, it was okay. I needed permission that my kids could see me have emotions. It does not mean I broke down every day. They didn't need to see a dad that was so weak. He didn't know how to suck it up buttercup sometimes, but they also needed to know that dad was sad. And, and as a matter of fact, and, and I, I'm going to be real careful because in case he, you know people hear this down the road that I know in marriages, we're all victims and we're all villains. So we're all good guys. Sometimes we're all bad guys <clears throat> and we're never 100% of either but I know that the kids saw parents being sad and then an appropriate amount was healthy for them because they're sad. And if you're not sad and they're sad, then there's no way they can come talk to you about their sadness. And they also needed to see dad happy and they needed to see dad working on things and they needed to see dad saying positive stuff and not sugarcoating things. So the coaching that I received and the therapy really helped me navigate to be a better example, how to navigate the grief with them. If that makes, if I'm on you, the right track. You are. And, and, you know, what I'm hearing through everything you're saying uh, is this, this um, finding the balance between being emotionally authentic with our children without 
crying on their shoulders or burdening them with our emotions right. and and being real for yourself about that because because it's real and it's what you're going through and so that balance of being authentic and yet I think you use the word discipline um, finding the edge at which it's important to pull it together and also show the work um, and the strength well, yeah, life is, and, and I say this on my podcast all the time, life is full of thin gray lines. And these little thin lines, one side, you know, self, self-care self versus selfish, right? Yep. You know, uh, I'm I'm political or I'm a maniac and I'm a phone thing, uh, you know, I'm number one and I've got to have a political opinion about everything. Life is full of this, these thin lines. And I really did not want my kids to feel like they were responsible for dad's emotional care. Like they, they had, I didn't want them to feel like they had to uh, suppress their emotions because they needed really help dad. That's not what I wanted. I wanted to be authentic enough to where when they needed to know dad, you're sad about this, right? I mean, you're, yeah, absolutely, buddy. I mean, this is not the way you meet. And this is the, the key, one of the keys since, since I'm the expert here on the divorce. <laughs> well, one of the things I found important was including their mother when I was saying things that especially I knew was edifying them. In other words, look, me or your mom, me, neither one of us wanted this because I didn't want to silo it to where dad is saying the good and healthy stuff and leaving mom out. It doesn't really matter who came up with the divorce and it doesn't, that's none of their, that's, that's not a burden for them to share. I wanted them to have a good relationship with their mom because they got a good mom and being their mother is independent of being my wife. Right. And, you know, I think that you may have started there, Clint, but for some, it's actually getting the therapeutic and coaching support to even get to that place because Perhaps uh, you've been cheated on. Perhaps you feel wrong. Perhaps you feel yeah. like the victim because um, the other person made the decision. We're always coaching around this. It's like the, that tendency to want to set the record straight and let the kids know, and it doesn't do them any good. And if you can't get to that place on your own, and it sounds like maybe you did, um, that's another place where that support is really valuable. Well, if you want to be trapped in a dark room of depression and, and anxiety and you want your kids to be there next to you, that's a great, in my opinion, that is, that's a great way to get there by making sure that you know the kids know the truth. And I don't mean that in a, in a and this may be, you might actually cut this part of the podcast because I don't want to say anything that you don't <laughs> like, but I don't think, I don't think the kids, they don't deserve to know the truth at, at nine years old or seven years old or 14 years old or at 21 years old, especially immediately after the divorce. It's not your, it wasn't my job to, to make sure they knew the truth. And here's why I was married for 20 years. If you don't think there's truths about what I did and how I acted and my failures that I would be, I don't want my kids to know. So I could spend my time making sure they know, Oh, they need to know. Or I could go, I'm starting here and we're moving forward and they need to have healthy relationships because I don't want my kids when I'm dead and gone to be dependent on and the sway of their emotions. 
So, you know, it brings up a really interesting point. You, you chose these two, um, and I think you did them fairly parallel, these different healing paths, and one being therapy, one being coaching. Can you talk a little bit about what the therapeutic support did for you? Because I think it'd be really helpful for our listeners to, to understand at least one person's perspective on the difference. Yeah, and I'll say this too, looking back on this, and you've, you've been through stuff like this before, um, I am four years removed, four and a half years removed, and um, I would love to say my clarity of thought is just 100% accurate, but a lot of stuff that happens when you're in these emotional tsunamis and when you've got finances and kids, I just remember things. So <laughs> trying to remember who said what or why is really difficult to parse out. The, the biggest takeaway I have from therapy versus coaching is that therapy spent time on the past, which was needed. Like, how did you get to this point, Clint? Let, let's talk about this. And it did help me navigate a little bit of the current emotions I was going through. Um, and it was really needed to have some eye-opening experiences. The coaching to me kind of starts where you're at. You asked a few questions about my past, like you needed some background, some foundational stuff, so you could make sure that you had the right info, but it focused more on, okay, this is where we're at. Let's deal with this today. What are you going to do tomorrow? What are you going to do six months from now? And it moved forward. And, it, you know, if you think about it, <clears throat> that's kind of what coaching is. I mean, if you're in the middle of a game, the coach may remind you of stuff that you've done and practiced, but you're making real time decisions based off real time circumstances and making plans on how to best the opponent down the road. And those are the biggest differences. And I will say both of the therapy and the coaching had a couple of things in common. I found helpful. And the number one thing that I found helpful that actually sucked, and I don't know if I can say that on your podcast, but it sure. sucked. You go ahead. <laughs> well, good, because I'm going to say it again. It sucked. Was both both therapy and coaching ask you your part? In other words, it really would let me vent about th what they did or what I think about them. And then it always came back to, okay, but how about you? <laughs> and you're like, that's not what I want to talk about. See, you don't understand. <laughs> and it was helpful, but it's painful. Um, and, and that's the thing I think you had in common. We have a special gift for you. Whether you're still emotionally entangled with your ex or not, imagining and creating your life after divorce can feel surreal for some, terrifying for others. Fears and limiting beliefs around financial security, building new friendships, health and fitness, and even finding healthy love can interfere with your ability to create the life you desire. Journey Beyond Divorce coaches can help you get clear on what you want and the obstacles that are keeping you stuck and guide you in manifesting your ideal life. We're here to help you enter this new chapter with more confidence and enthusiasm with a free jumpstart call. Visit journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash jumpstart to book your call today. Yeah, and, and I think that that's very true. The whole, both modalities give, invite 
you into being introspective because it's the only place you have any power, any power to heal, any power to change and transform. And I think you said it beautifully. Uh, for those out there, um, and I know a lot of times our male clients will come to us and say, you know, I don't really feel comfortable with therapy. Coaching feels a little bit more um, interactive, more thought-focused, more um, action-oriented. And so it's a comfort zone. And yet we have found that, that there are times where a, a client, male or female, needs some healing. And, and therapy really... Uh, you're talking about mental health experts who can help you understand your history and help you heal through whatever that was. Whereas as coaches, we may visit the past to connect the dots with you, um, only to use that to figure out how to uh, overcome and get past obstacles that are current that are keeping you from moving in the direction you want to move in. Yeah, 100%. You know, I think, um, and I'm going to say this, I hope I don't do it too clumsily, but therapy helps you realize some cycles that you have as a person. These are, let's revisit this, Clint, what, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, in your previous relationships, when you were a kid, you start looking at these cycles, and you go, oh, wow, I had no idea. Coaching, and, and I think I said this to you before in a podcast, Therapy moves a little slower, getting to the healing, navigating currently. It gets there slower. Coaching goes through your past fast and starts now and moves forward quicker, more flexible. But the therapy reveals some cycles. But the coaching to me gave me some skills and some tools and the right questions to ask myself to navigate the moving forward process. I needed the coaching I would say right after the divorce, the coaching was more important to me than the therapy. I was blessed to have both. And then as I moved forward, once I started being able to handle the emotions and the, the tsunami of all the questions and the guilt, once I started navigating that, my brain became a little clearer to actually get more from the therapy I was in. I, therapy was good for me, but at first, I was just needing to do positive things. The coaching is what gave me some of the skills immediately that I needed to navigate that. Absolutely. And and I just want to, I want to just really hone in on everything you're talking about uh, is like you standing in front of a mirror. Like what, what was my history? What was my, what are my patterns? Where am I stuck? And, and I think that uh, oftentimes I was just talking to another male client who had a group of guy friends and it's like, let's get you out there. Let's get you meeting girls. Let's get, and this whole external, um, let's, let's soothe the wound by doing these external things that have no impact internally. And, and can you speak to that a little bit as you're shaking your head? Are you watching my body language? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know, I say this when I do my business coaching, cash flow, if not done correctly, if not managed, if you're not being intentional about your business, cash will spackle the holes in the wall, right? It will hide the flaws until there's no more cash and it dries up. And now you see all the holes in the wall. Well, I, listen, going out and dating, it will work. I'm not going to lie to you. Going out drinking, it'll work. And, and I hate to say this, going the other direction, doing, you know, staying in your home, not doing anything. 
it, it'll work because nobody will know you're hurting and, and you can post all the positive pictures on Facebook and everybody will think you're fine. But neither one of those are a substitute for healing and navigating. And I, I don't understand dudes that are supposed to be tough guys. I don't understand us sometimes because the hardest thing to do, the strongest thing to do for your kids is to be a healthy guy. And it's, it's odd that we teach work ethic and we teach be a man or a woman of your word and all these things and the things that we run from are the very things that will make us better at that. And so if you're getting advice from your friend, and that's the other thing, I had tons of friends and all of them love me. One of the worst things you can do is surround yourself with people that will confirm it's all the other person's fault. We never liked him or her to begin with. <laughs> Seriously. Let yeah. me tell you what I saw for 20 years. Well, where the hell were you, dude? You know, <laughs> if you saw all this for 20 years and she's got her friends, I'm sure, going, well, we've seen this for 15 years. Well, where have y'all been when I'm navigating this? I think it's a very dangerous place to get to because you will wake up a year later and not moved one inch to being a healthier dad or a healthier guy and you're left to the rest of your life. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is you did all of this work. Um, how did it impact your relationship? And we can look on a number of different levels. The work that you did on yourself, how did it impact your relationship with your ex and the co-parenting you do? Let's start there. Um, I don't, I will say this. I think we were both good parents while we were married. So it's not like we became I think we probably, I mean, let me, let me parse this out live while we're recording, which is why I love podcasts. <laughs> uh, I think we both became better parents a little bit after the divorce. And I don't mean better as in we were more attentive. I think we both were so super focused on making sure the kids were healthy that uh, we just missed less. We were way more intentional with our focus when we were around the kids and we learned to talk about things um, probably even a little better. You take it for granted when you're in the same house. You talk at night, pass in the hallway. Things good. Yeah, we're good. Oh, she made a bad grade. Well, we'll fix that. And you're busy. Those conversations now, co-parenting, we're both super focused on. And sometimes they last 30 minutes and sometimes they last 60 seconds. But I think we both became a little more focused as parents. And I think we both, before the divorce was final, we had a commitment that, listen, the kids, where they end up after this is got to be priority number one. I mean, I mean, mom can be broke or dad can be broke. Mom could, if, if Clint hadn't healed a bit, my goal was still that my kids did, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I think it made us better parents a little bit. That sounds weird, but that's what I think. Well, and how about, because I talk a lot with clients about this, how about um, the impact your personal work, your transformational work had on you raising and guiding and maybe the messages you gave to your children? <clears throat> well... And, and I, I, you noticed it too. And I know my therapist noticed it because she actually counted one session. But when I first came to you, I was saying, I'm sorry, a bunch. Do you remember that? 
And if you don't, just lie to me and tell me you do, because I'm sure I'm the, a special client. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> 5,000 clients. Of course I remembered. It was 12.03 in 2017. It was a foggy day, you know. So, <laughs> but I, 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 I say that to say this. It's, I started noticing patterns in my kids in relationships. Mm. Even my daughter, as she's young, on how she's, is she saying I'm sorry when she's sorry? Or is she saying I'm sorry all the time? Same with my son. So because I had become more aware of my own patterns and my own speech and my own words, I started being able to notice it in my kids. And I could start maybe doing some pre-planning, some uh, some intercessory, intercessory, I don't know, whatever, jumping in early. Let me help you with the English <laughs> public education coming out. Uh, I started doing some, just being proactive right. with some stuff. And I gave them more grace and mercy uh, because I needed grace and mercy during that time. Yeah. Yeah, grace and mercy is the key right there. Yeah, grace and mercy is the key. I'm telling you, if you don't, if, if, yeah, that's the one thing I've tried to teach my kids. Look, man, say I'm sorry when you're sorry. I actually just said this to my daughter the other day. Four things. Say I'm sorry when you're sorry. Don't say I'm sorry if you're not sorry. I haven't done anything wrong. Extend grace because you're going to need grace and extend mercy because you're going to need mercy. Very good rules. Yeah, and that came from the divorce. Yeah, because you go through such a huge um, trial and, uh, and when you do the work on yourself, it's impossible to emerge the same as you went in. Well, and you, you talked to, you know, we were talking about the kids and the impact. And we were just a minute ago, we were talking about parents that want to make sure their kids know the truth. Mm. <clears throat> well, here's the truth. As they get older and there's more distance and time between the, the split, they're going to notice and pick up on things that they'll never talk to you about. They're going to see stuff in mom that you want them to see. They're going to see it. And here's the flip side of that. They're going to see stuff in dad that they'll never tell you about that you don't want them to see. They're going to see it. And when they start seeing that mom and dads are just humans with their screw-ups and failures and messy, then they're going to, you're going to need them to extend you some grace and mercy too, for not being perfect. Yeah. And, and I'll even add to that. Um, as, as our children grow older, they're, they're going to see us with all of our flaws. And if you have been criticizing and judging, uh, your ex and that child needs to come and talk about a struggle they're having, you're not going to be a safe person. Like there's also the, the more grace and mercy you extend, the safer you are for them to come to you if they're struggling, uh, whether it's, you know, with the other parent or anything like that. And so there's really very little upside except for maybe one's ego to make sure that the quote unquote, truth is is known by our children well yeah and and it's almost like handing your kids a suitcase full of bricks and saying hey carry this into your relationships too you know in 10 years from now you're 13 so when you start dating and when you get married i need you to carry all of my baggage that i was too insecure and too weak to go fix 
I need you to carry this with you so you can be as screwed up as I was because Karen McMahon's going to need some coaching, some, some people. You know, I, I'm going to try to keep her really full of, <laughs> of people because I'm, I, I'm too weak. And so guys, listen to this. When you say I need to be strong for myself and you don't go fix it, that is, that's actually weakness. The strong thing is to say, I am going to the, I'm going to my emotional gym and I'm going to work out and I'm going to show my kids what it looks like to be a strong guy from an emotional standpoint. And, and, and so to me, the kids, this whole lot of this has been about kids, but to me, that is where a lot of my focus went to. Yeah, that was very well said. Worth the price of admission right there, Clint. Um, so, so the other question that I want to ask you is you're four years post-divorce. And so this is a series on life after divorce. A lot of people listening are in the midst toward the tail end of their divorce or just entering that next chapter. Can you talk a little bit about the impact doing all of that work um, has had on the unfolding of this chapter of your life? Are you sure you want me to? Yes, I will. Uh, It's, it has, um, it's done a couple of things. And if you're okay with it, I'll kind of go through this a little slow because I want to make sure I I don't say anything knee jerk. One of the things that I think it has done for me that I see some difference in other people is I have lost the need. I didn't say the want or the desire, but I don't need to be in a relationship. So if a relationship comes and I've had, uh, I've had a relationship for over a year and, and I've dated a few times. So it's not like I've, I've run from relationships. If a relationship presents itself and it meets the boundaries that I have learned to put in place and, and it's a good fit for them and me, not just being the narcissist, not just me, then I'll accept it and we'll talk about it. And we'll move forward. And I'm real relaxed about stuff like that. But if God has intended for me, to not have relationships, I am very comfortable with that. Very. And that becomes from, I think, knowing that I'm in a place to where um, I just, I don't have time or the inclination to entertain anything other than is happy, relaxed, and joyful, and content, and not perfect, but I don't have to have that stuff. I don't need somebody on my arm. I don't need eye candy. I don't need to be eye candy. I don't want things like that in my life. It's, it's so superficial. It's just, I don't need it. That's the first thing is relationships now have to meet a pretty high standard. Wow. That's great. Well, yeah. And I've got friends and and they, you know, if they listen to this, you know who you are. I've told you about it before. So don't don't get mad at me, (laughs) but there's people that are serial daters, man. They just, they cannot, they're very uncomfortable and alone. And I told my daughter this, so now we were talking about it. There's a difference between being alone and being lonely. And, and lonely's okay every now and then, because that's, that's your body, your mind saying, you need human beings, go be around people. Yep. Right? Again, don't ignore. There's emotions are, are neither good nor bad. They are there. It's your job to parse them out. The other thing that this journey has done for me is um, I now, and I promise this, I now appreciate the relationships I have more than ever. I have fewer. I lost some friends. 
some of the friends that were like, you know, I never thought we would lose each other. Yeah. I've lost some friends. I've lost some family because extended families. But I now appreciate what I have so much more than I think I did before. I hug everybody a little tighter. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So, gosh, we've, we've talked about so many different things. As, as we begin to wrap up, uh, and especially to our male listeners, if you could leave them with just a couple of um, uh, pieces of encouragement or advice, wisdom, what do you want to say to them? Well... I've said a lot of it during the broadcast, and I'll try to pull some of those thoughts here so that it can be bullet pointed. I think it takes a lot of strength to know you're weak. I think sometimes the greatest sign of love for your kids is to let them see you be vulnerable enough to go get strong. They're going to need that example at some point in time. I think it's okay to tell people you need to be disciplined about your emotions. It's okay to cry, but not cry all the time. It's okay to be ticked off, but don't be mad at other people. Don't kick the dog and displace aggression. All those things are true. And I I struggled with the male ego a lot. You know, I I grew up John Wayne. I'm 53 years old. John Wayne was my hero. You know, (laughs) I played rugby for four years. I boxed. I've been a sales rep. I've been a business owner. And and I tell these people this all the time. At, At this point in time in my life, I, this is going to sound really weird, and I do not live up to what I'm about to say, but I, it's, it's something that I want. I want when you work out a lot of times, your hands get calloused. Okay. Right? And I used to work out all the time, but I hope my knees are more callous than my hands now because I think praying uh, for the strength to be weak and be comfortable in when you are actually allows you to have more credibility with people so you can use the strengths you really do have. Once people know that you too are struggling, but you're not going to get stuck in the struggle, then when you start really trying to help them, they listen more. And if you're a guy listening to this and you're like, you know what, I'll do it on my own. Maybe, maybe. But if you're 30 and you're going through a divorce, you got another 40 years left. If you're 50 going through a divorce, you got another 25, 30 years left. I don't know how this works. I didn't want to spend one second. I didn't have to being unhappy and unhealthy. And I really didn't care if people thought I was weak or not. They can all take, I don't, I don't, I'm going to get to heaven. I don't answer for them a bit, but I do have to answer for those kids. And I do have to answer for the gifts God gave me. And that's only reason I moved forward the way I did with coaching. Well, that's beautifully said. And, uh, you, um, (laughs) I've seen your kids and you've really done a beautiful job raising them. And I, I've seen, uh, I've seen them come and, and hug you and and love being with you. And I feel the same way. It's like the young adults, the emerging adults that I've raised um, uh, is a gift that lasts so, so long and goes so deep. And it requires us to do that work in order to um, to raise them to be good people. Yeah, yeah. But having good kids makes this whole thing a lot easier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun. 
So Clint, before we say goodbye, um, you've mentioned, I know you were in sales, you had your own business, you've been in marketing. Can you tell our listeners what you do now? Because I think it's so cool and, and how they can uh, follow you and find you. Yeah, I've, I've got a, a couple of podcasts and then I do, I still do sales and business consulting on one-on-one stuff. I used to do bigger picture stuff, but right now I, my podcast is During the Break Podcast. You can go to Spotify or iTunes or Google, wherever. Hold during, on a second. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. You have that Southern accent during the break, not daring the break. <laughs> I'm, I wish people could see me right now. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little verklempt. I'm a little upset right now. <laughs> I've got to wave myself off. Well, bless her heart. I mean, just, <laughs> hey, listen, just because you moved down south and coming from being a Yankee doesn't mean you get to make fun of us now like you're one of us. You cut that out. So let me start that over. I have a podcast called During the Break. And it is a podcast where I talk to people I find interesting and we share stories. And it could be about entertainment, business, uh, this kind of stuff, better, you know, self-help. Um, it can be about anything. And I love it. And I think it's fun to do. I have another podcast called Day Fire Podcast. And that's about adventures in the great outdoors. And we talked to some people from around the world that are doing some really, really cool things from climbing, paddling, hiking, biking, you name it. So follow me at Day Fire Podcast or Dur- During the Break Podcast. Look, I wish we could have this on video because when I was saying it, Karen moved her mouth like she was trying to help me. <laughs> she, she said, come on, buddy, you can do it, Clint. You did well. <laughs> Thank you so much. So Clint is, um, is uh, a joy to listen to. He always brings his humor. He interviews some incredibly interesting um, people. He talks everything from politics to outdoors to relationships and everything in between. So you're listening, you're a podcaster, uh, go to DuringTheBreak.com or Dayfire. Dayfirepodcast.com. Podcast. And During the Break would probably be better if they just go to whatever podcast platform and type it in there. They'll find it there. Beautiful. Thank Clint, you. thank you so much for sharing your journey with us and, and your wisdom. And I think that it'll really help a lot of people. I appreciate the invitation. Thank you for all you've done. And stay tuned. Uh, We'll be back with another episode of Life After Divorce in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.